Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Dr. Lawrence Simon, and the show is The Stories We Live By. And what I thought I would do today for the first show is talk about why the stories we live by and the narratives we live by are so important. And to do that, I thought I would begin with a little bit about my story as a psychologist to make sense of what we're about to do uh, over the next weeks on this show. Um, I became what was called a clinical psychologist many, many years ago. I am now retired, and I worked for 40 years as a psychologist. I not only taught, but I was the psychologist in a mental health clinic and for many years uh, had a private practice and was very proud to be a clinical psychologist. But the word clinical always sort of bothered me because intuitively I knew that what I did had nothing to do with medicine. So why clinical? Um, When I began to talk with people, they would tell me their stories, the people who came to my practice or people who came to the clinic. And they often spoke of deep misery, uh, unhappy childhoods, uh, great difficulties in getting along with people. Uh, They talked about being victims. They talked about, at times, hurting others when they really didn't want to, about being depressed, so badly depressed they couldn't get out of bed, all kinds of things that I listened to and would ask questions about and was told that when I listened to these these stories, I would have to come up with a diagnosis of the mental illness or the mental disorder that made sense to explain these behaviors, people who washed their hands 50 times, people who could spend an hour trying to pick out a shirt, people who dieted to the point of, of, of uh, starvation, uh, again, depressed people, people who spoke to God and had God answer. Uh, all of these had to be diagnosed as a mental disorder or a mental illness. And often the cause I was taught of these mental illnesses were disturbances in home and very often disturbances in relationships in childhood. Around 1990, a change in the story took place. Not only were we all told um, that these people were suffering from a mental illness or a mental disorder, but that the cause of the problem was biological. They had some form of biochemical upset in their brains and would require some kind of medication to satisfy that. And they really, if they had psychotherapy, it still had to be augmented by a wide variety of drugs that began to not only pour forth in great profusion from the drug companies, but were now advertised very heavily on television. And people were shown little charts on television about the chemical upset in their brain. Now, I'm going to make this long story short, because as the years went by, I became increasingly unhappy, not about, only about calling people mentally ill, or mentally disturbed after they began to tell me some of the events in their childhood uh, uh, that seemed to account for so much of the strange, unwanted, unhappy behavior that brought them for help in the first place. But 
evidence began to appear that was being ignored by uh, the great majority of my colleagues, even psychologists, that there were no biochemical upsets in anybody's brain. And indeed, if you click on uh, my website, which I maintain with my colleague Dominic Riccio, psychtruth.org, and go to Truth Radio or my blog, you can hear a wide variety of experts tell you that the story concerning biochemical upset is crap and that basically this is a marketing device to get Americans hooked on drugs and like so many of the drugs that are advertised to us on television, imaginary illnesses that require drugs for life. This, of course, does wonders for the bottom lines of the corporations manufacturing and selling these drugs, but they do very little often and much harm for the people taking them. So you can listen to those shows there. And now we come back to why I am doing this show. If I listen to the story of a little boy, and I'm going to tell you briefly his story, um, his mother brought him in. Children usually don't come by themselves. And his mother told me a story about his terrible behavior in school, that he bullied and picked on children, that he didn't listen to his teacher, he refuses to do his homework. Uh, he's altogether very difficult to deal with at home and very difficult to deal with in school. His teachers have had it with him. And he's been given a bunch of diagnoses up until before the point in which I saw him. And these diagnoses very often included drugs as the treatment. And I said to this little boy, how do you feel about the drugs you're taking? And he said to me, handcuffs in a bottle. That's what they are, handcuffs in a bottle. And I thought, how wonderful, how bright this little boy is. I don't think I'm getting the whole story. And it took me some months before the mother would admit that the father, who would never come in and work with me or ever show up, he, quote, didn't believe in therapy. And my response, by the way, is I don't believe in therapy either because what I do is not therapeutic. If people aren't really sick, then they don't need real therapy. Uh, what I do is help them change life stories, change the, themselves as a character in the story that they tell about themselves or tell about other people. Well, the mother then admitted to me after some months of working that when the father gets really angry, which is often, he's a very unhappy man who goes into rages, he chases his son around the house with a baseball bat, screaming at him, when I get you, you useless bag of shit, I'm going to beat you to death. The boy admitted that he believed his father would really hit him and kill him, uh, uh, if not maim him when he got him in these states of rage, uh, and then admitted that he really did think of himself as a useless bag of shit. And it seemed to me that if you looked at his story and the character he played in it, his behavior was perfectly appropriate for the image he had of himself, for the anger that he felt, and for the terror he felt. Now, I'm in no way condoning his behavior. It had to be changed. Uh, my heart went out to the school teachers who had to deal with this youngster, because if you have him and 30 other kids in a room, you don't really need more than one like him behaving as he was behaving to make your life a misery and make your job almost impossible to do. Right? 
But we're not dealing with sickness here. What we're dealing with is a narrative. And each of us has a narrative in which we're a character. And each of us has rules by which our story is told, and each of us has rules by which our story lives by. And oft time we're not even aware of these stories, and not aware of how the stories actually play themselves out. And there are two things I will just briefly discuss about our stories today. And next time I will try to have a guest on and we'll take some calls to see whether or not uh, you can share your stories and we can discuss these stories, not as pathology, not as mental illness, but as stories that can be changed because we can change the characterizations that were given to us in the stories told to us by others, mothers, fathers, teachers, clerics, the courts, and psychiatrists, psychologists, who levy these terrible names on us. I hate all these names, not only the ones that the doctors make up, but when somebody says, I'm stubborn, or I'm useless, or I'm stupid, I'm all these things, once the label is given, all motivation disappears, and the circumstances in which we tell and live our life story disappears. Right? So if somebody is hearing God, and talking to God, and God is answering, and we say they are schizophrenic, and this is a symptom of schizophrenia, the reasons they may have constructed this conversation with God, which almost invariably are done at moments of great desperation, great loneliness, great terror, disappear. We not only don't know what has happened to the individual that's constructed this narrative, uh, but we don't care. All we now care about is reducing the symptoms of the illness. So context disappears, motivation disappears, the person as a human being disappears. And what we end up with is a label that generates the entire explanation for the individual's life, the mythical illness that supposedly caused this, because even with things such as the label schizophrenia, there is no credible evidence and no tests that anybody has ever been devised to demonstrate any kind of genetic or biochemical, neurological, uh, physiological upset in the brains of these individuals that can account or predict their so-called symptoms of hearing voices, which are really internal conversations, or um, hallucinating uh, uh, things that nobody else can usually hear or sometimes see. So this then, uh, in a very short order, is the theme of my show. And over the next weeks and months, uh, I hope we can discuss uh, the kind of problems that people have and talk about the characters in your life novel uh, I think that novels give us a much better insight into the human character than do uh, scientific labels or pseudo-scientific labels. And I believe that most of my field is a fraud, a humbug, humbug and a sham. Um, psychology should never have imitated psychiatry. It was a terrible mistake done in 1947 when uh, the people who shaped the early clinical psychology field decided that was the right way and the best way to go. 
and we will look at ourselves through the eyes of an author, step out of ourselves. And by stepping out of ourselves, we not only can begin to understand ourselves free of the labels that we use or others use for us or on us, and we can see our motivations, we can see the context in which we live, uh, very, very important to understand context, understand history, and um, join that group of psychologists, a small group, who look back in history and say, you know, the best psychologist probably to have ever lived was not Sigmund Freud, but William Shakespeare. That had psychology gone in the direction of trying to understand ourselves as literature, as people who have been authored by other people, our parents, our teachers, our friends. Um, maybe psychology wouldn't have gone down this dark road that it has gone down, in which even now psychologists are being trained to write prescriptions. Uh, if the history of this field is any indication that after psychologists get prescription privileges, social workers will get prescription privileges, and we'll all be drugging each other and writing prescriptions uh, to, to, to disconnect our brains from the kinds of unhappiness, confusion that is most of our lot in life. So, that is the show. That is what uh, I hope we can get together with uh, on a regular basis and discuss ourselves as characters, to look at ourselves and our ongoing lives as a kind of a novel, and instead of judging through labeling of any kind, medical or otherwise, uh, understand motivation, understand context, understand our life history, and indeed, the history and the lives of the other characters that people our lives with us. Uh, your mother wasn't mean, and your teacher wasn't stupid. These are, again, all labels that hide from us and get us to, to see as invisible the lives of those who might have upset us, who have done things in our lives that we might not have liked, where we have trouble getting along. And this adds another good dimension to our understanding of ourselves and others so that we have choice and we can change the direction of our, of our life narrative from, from hopeless, from despair, uh, from being helpless and dependent on other people, which includes doctors and therapists, uh, and be more empowered to live our lives as we wish. This is Dr. Lawrence Simon thanking you uh, for your time and looking forward to our next show. She never came on. All right, I don't know what happened.